from verse 7. And I'm reading the ESV, so don't be troubled if yours says it somewhat differently. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and bring to light for everyone what is plain of the mystery, hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift of life that you've given each one of us. Thank you for your grace and mercy that rests on each one of us through the blood of Jesus. And we just thank you that we do not stand or hear in our own power or strength, but Father God, we pray for your spirit to rest upon us, be with us and lead us and guide us in all truth, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Over the last couple of weeks, you know, just having conversations with people, it's always amazing to understand somebody's worldview through their eyes. I spent some time uh, yesterday just listening to a Jewish rabbi speaking about his understanding of biblical ideas of creation and things like that. It's so rich and deep and rewarding. And yet, each one of you has an experience in life. You have your own story that only you have. You were born on your birthdays. You were born in the year you were born. If you were born in the 1950s, nobody else can ever be born in the 1950s again. It's gone. But you can be born in 2024. And yet everybody is so uniquely and, and, and made so wonderfully in God's image. that it's always amazing to allow yourself just to listen to what people would, would say about their relationship with God or their non-relationship with God or just where people are at. People are very interesting. I can understand God's fascination and love for humanity. And we have this worldview, each one of us. We're in Canada, so we have this worldview of snow and, and ice and skating, and, and yet we were just watching Haiti, and, and I don't think Haiti's ever seen snow ever. You can see the ground was dry, the sky was blue, the trees were green. A different world altogether. Children lining up in school uniforms. Have you ever seen children line up in school uniforms in Canada? In lineups like that? Last night, coming home from the 
from the, the men's potluck. And so well done, David and the guys. It was really great. And I was driving into the Joy Bible camp and I saw this picture. It was cloudy, misty. And I just thought I had to stop. The moon was just coming over the snow on the field with a tree in the background. And it looks grainy, but that's just the mist and the fog. And in the moment, in my worldview, I was the only person on that road. And I was the only one who got to see what I got to see. Just as maybe last night, you got to see something that only you got to see. But it just, what a beautiful world God has created. And yet it doesn't matter where you are in the world, if you just see, open your eyes, you might be amazed at God's creation. And so it was last night, we could celebrate with the men in, in, the, in the area. We had between 70 to 80 guys sitting around eating as much protein as possible. <laughs> with a sprinkling of carbohydrates and, and a, maybe a single leaf of salad for those die-hard vegans. But for the rest of us, it was full-on protein overload. It was really amazing just to, to just fellowship with people in our area. And even for the people that don't go to church on a Sunday, it's, it's an easy outreach because it's something we share in common. Steve this morning says he was having a wonderful debate and, uh, about a fishing regulations with one of his fellow uh, neighbors. And, and, and the debate was about regulations and all these sort of things. And I think it's, it's easy to debate on things you are passionate about. Are you passionate about things? And, and do you debate with people about things you are passionate about? This week, Pew Research came out with the latest findings of religious understanding in, in the USA. Now, USA and Pew Research, it's very similar to, United, uh, to Canada. So, but basically what they're saying is 28% of US adults are now religiously unaffiliated. We call these the nuns. N-O-N-E-S, nuns. They have no affiliation. Most nuns believe in God or another higher power, but very few go to religious services regularly. Most say religion does some harm, but many also think it does some good. They are not uniformly anti-religious. Most nuns reject the idea that science can explain everything, but they express more positive views of science than religiously affiliated Americans do. So that means one in three Canadians potentially is a nun. It's not that they're anti-religious. It's just they have no religious affiliation to anything. And with this rise of nuns, non-affiliated people, people ask the question, is political activism the solution to spiritual decline? And this is one of those things in America they're saying... As religious institution and Christianity declines somewhat in, in North America or in the whole of the West, should we become more political active? And I think in the last four years particularly, we've seen a lot of 
activism within Christian circles. And I wonder, do you think that is a wonderful evangelism tool? What do you think? Lifeway Institute says, when they did a, a survey on speaking to people in the church, they said 59% of people are more comfortable about spreading their political views as opposed to only 41% speaking about their spiritual views. That means 41% of the church are quite comfortable sharing the good news of the gospel. So in a sense, we are more politically comfortable with expressing our ideas than we are about our theology and our interaction with the gospel, the good news of God's kingdom. When asked directly why they are not religious, two-thirds of nuns say they question a lot of religious teachings or don't believe in God at all. Many also bring up criticisms of religious institutions or people, including 47% who say they are one extreme or very important reason why they do are not religious is they dislike religious organizations. 30% say bad experiences they have had with religious people help to explain why they are non-religious. So that means a third of all nuns have walked away from the church because they've got offended with somebody in the church. It's a very interesting thought, that. As a Christian, you walk away from the church because the church lets you down. Very interesting. So what's this got to do with Paul? It says the purpose of the mystery of the church. Let's read again. It says, Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Paul is speaking here about being the least of God's people. I'll touch on that a little bit more in a moment. But he's speaking about God's grace. Grace is an amazing thing. We have been given the grace to preach to the Gentiles. We've been given the grace to preach to the nuns. God has given us this grace as we believers in Jesus. We've got God's grace on our side to bring the gospel and the good news and the boundless riches of Jesus. Family, do you understand how wealthy you are when you have Jesus on your side? Do you understand how wealthy you are? If Jesus was taken away from you today, where would you go? I would be lost. I wouldn't know what to do with my life. I wouldn't, I'd have to restart my life all over again, and I cannot fathom that. And yet I can promise you now, I understand fully that today I stand before you, before this pulpit, purely by God's grace. I look to the places that I've come from and I cannot believe I can even stand up here. I know from whence I come. I, my lo I know my lost, depraved state. 
And I know that in holding to the hem of Christ, he has led me to a place of freedom and grace. And today I stand before you and I can speak about God's goodness, Christ's goodness, purely because he is merciful towards me. When, when Paul says he's the least, it reminds me of a story of Gideon. And uh, for the seniors Bible study, we've been doing the book of Samuel. And Saul also starts off in the same place. Who am I that you're, Lord, that you are even taking cognizance? Gideon says to the angel, O oh Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Behold, my clan is the poorest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Who am I? I'm not, I'm, you know, I've, I've only been in Canada since 2015. I've got no authority to speak to fellow Canadians about what's happening in the world or politics or sport. What authority do I have? Lord, I'm the least. It's very interesting how many people in the Bible, whether it be the book of Esther, Esther also starts, who am I? Starts off being no one to become a princess, but she becomes a princess in order to save her people Israel, but she starts off as an orphan. Gideon starts off as no one. He's not even very valiant. Gideon was weak in faith, which made it hard to reconcile the assurances of the presence of God with the distress to which Israel was brought. The angel answered his objections. He told him to appear and act as Israel's deliverer. They needed no more. While God calls Gideon valiant, it's God who makes Gideon valiant. God delights to advance the humble. Do you know, family, if somebody is humble, the Spirit of God can easily use you. If you are proud and arrogant, it's very difficult to tell somebody what to do when they think they know better than you. If you know better than God, then God cannot use you. But if you agree that you know nothing, and say, Lord, I know nothing. Lead me and guide me in this. God says, what God calls you, you will be. If God calls you valiant, you will be valiant. If God calls you blessed, you are blessed. Paul's in the same situation. He knows from whence he came. How many, of, how many Christians did he put to the sword? It doesn't look good on his resume. His, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, family, one of the things we need to understand is when we become political and in an activist sort of way, we have been called as the church to show the divine wisdom of God, what, to earthly rulers? Is that what it says there? I think Trump and Trudeau, they need to, to understand the wisdom of God, or is, is that what it's saying there? Or is it saying, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms? 
demons and stuff. Do you know you have authority in the name of Jesus? Not to chase Trudeau out of his office, but to command heavenly forces to take charge over your family, to cast out demons. You've been given a spiritual authority. And if you think Trudeau has authority or Trump has authority or Biden, you know nothing about authority. Because in the spiritual realm, your mind will be blown away by just how big God's spiritual creation is. When you carry the name of Jesus, you carry his authority in heavenly places. And I do not carry it on my own. It's because of Christ in me, his spirit. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So when three of you, or two or three of you, when your husband and wife get together and pray, there the Holy Spirit is in the midst of that family. And they carry weight in heavenly realms. When a family prays around a, a table of food and they pray together, a family that prays together stays together. There's authority. You want authority? Put on Christ. Say, Lord, I am yours. My family is yours. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord all the days of my life. Lord, by your grace and mercy. And we speak to the heavenly realm. You see, there's something about God's mystery. The most powerful scriptures in the New Testament speak to the church's existence. Jesus came preaching the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God at hand. Not what the church says as opposed to what the church is. You can say a lot of things, it doesn't mean anything. But whose you are says everything. Do you belong to God? Are you God or do you belong to the world? Is it triple six on your forehead or is it Christ on your head? Are you a Christian or you belong to the world? You, are you a secular humanist? Are you a nun? Whose are you? The church is the community in which men, women, and children of every race, color, social, and cultural background come together clad in glad worship of the one true God. So it doesn't matter whether you're sitting in Haiti right now, standing in a lineup to go into an outdoor church, or whether you're in Africa right now and you're going to an evening service right now. And it's Every tribe, every tongue, God doesn't care whether you're male or female, you are God's. God created you in his image, and if you're female, he created you that way and he's happy with that. If you're male, he created you that way and he's happy with that. God is pleased with what he creates, and he's creating his church, his chosen people that are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. God created man as an immortal image of his own proper being. Through the devil's, though, through the devil's envy, death entered the cosmic order, which is experienced by all men. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. I went online and I was trying to find a picture that could 
adequately express or allow you to perceive what it must be like entering into God's presence at any time. And you don't have the spiritual eyes yet to see what it would be like today as you come and raise holy hands and say, Lord, I'm, I want to come into your presence this morning. And I just want to surrender my life to you, my heart to you. Lord, direct my footsteps in all I do. You're actually standing in the throne room of God. And in your flesh, you cannot sense that. But somebody had the perception enough to be able to draw that. And if you go online and, and you see pictures of heaven, people, artists do their best rendition. No eye has seen nor ear has heard the things that God has got in store for you. But Jesus, through the death and the cross, has opened the heavens to allow you access 24 hours a day, 365 days, for the rest of your life. You have access to the throne room of God in the authority in the name of Jesus. So in the heavenly realms, in heaven right now, when you pray, the whole of heaven can see your spirit being lifted into God's presence. And everybody can proclaim in heavenly places, this is a child of God. Whether you be five years old or 99 years old, makes no difference. You carry the authority of the name of Jesus upon you. But Paul's in jail, remember this. Being in jail, and we've listened to another story about people being in jail and wasting away in jail. Roman prison was pretty similar. You had to be fed by somebody on the outside. There were no flushing toilets and faucets that you can turn off. No flushing toilets. We're spoiled. You can go to many third world countries. A flushing toilet is, would still be considered a miracle to many. Paul seems to be more anxious to let the believers, lest the believers get discouraged and faint upon his tribulation than for what he is, he himself has to bear. Sometimes, as people, we worry more about our children. We don't really always worry about where we're at, but I'm very concerned for where my children are and spiritually how they are doing. More than I am for my own well-being. And so Paul's in jail, but he's writing this letter in his tribulation. And he's saying to the church, do not be discouraged, family. The work of Paul is carrying a weight 2,000 years later. You and I still read this. You and I are not being persecuted, family. You and I do not understand what persecution is. You and I have had... Many great blessings. And yet, I'll tell you this much. Where tribulation comes, you know what happens to the Christian church in general? Our prayer life increases, I'd say, a millionfold. When you are desperate for God, prayer becomes easy. You're desperate to be at the feet of God. Lord, I desperately need you now. Are you struggling with health? Bad news. Child that's in trouble, car accident, whatever. We rush to the throne room of God. I say, Lord, here am I. Please undertake for these my children. Do you not? 
Why do we wait for the world to fall apart before we go boldly into the throne room of God? God says, come to me, pray unceasingly, which implies that God has called you right now in the flesh to stand in heavenly, in heavenly places 24 hours a day, every single day of your life. That's the place you've been called to, to stand in heaven right now. Not when you die, right now. You've been given authority right now. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you are not of this world. But I chose you out of this world. Therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. They kept my word, they will also keep yours. You see, Jesus is standing, even while he was on earth, was standing in heavenly places. He was doing miraculous things all the time because he was drawing, he was standing in the presence of God at all times. And he says, as I have done it, the things that I have done, what will you do? Will you do the same thing? The things that I have done? Greater. How is that possible? Unless you stand in the throne room of God. How do you know that? Because you do not, God has taken you out of the world. And he's put you in his spiritual throne room and says, my son, my daughter, my child, here you are. Walk in the authority that I've given you. That's why praying, anointing people, praying for families, whatever this big decision you've got, put it before God in prayer. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I've got to wake up in the morning, cast off the world and say, Lord, I need to walk in your Spirit today. And I don't do it every day. <laughs> if I'd said that, I'd be lying. Some days I forget because I'm too busy and I've woken up late and I've got to get Timothy ready for school. And by the time I get to school, I'm saying, Lord, I've left you behind somewhere. And you say, Lord, here am I. You see, when we see these, when we drive down the highways and the byways of life and we see these buildings standing off on the horizon, family, we've got to understand that that is not the church. But I can tell you, the church gathers there to meet with God in communal worship, to gather together to worship God in spirit and in truth. That is merely a building. One day that building is going to be gone, but the church is everlasting and eternal. You are everlasting and eternal. This building is not. We know that. In a hundred years' time, how was this building going to be looking like? So last night, we invite our neighbors, many who are nuns. They don't know who Jesus is. They maybe they've heard of Jesus. But can they see Jesus in you? Are you more interested in espousing your political views in the world around you? Complaining about the world and how bad it's been to you? Or are you explaining to people just how good God has been to you over the last year? When somebody's going through trials and tribulations, are you saying to them, you know what, I stand in heavenly places, can I pray for you? My God is more than enough. 
I've, I've never experienced anybody, I don't think, that's ever said to me when I've offered pray, no, thank you, keep that to yourself. Even my atheist family asked me to pray. Atheist family asked me to pray. Isn't that interesting? Why would they ask me to pray unless in their heart of hearts they truly believe in the spiritual realm? And you and I are just called to live life. Enjoy life. Taste and see that life is good. You can go hunting. You can do all these things. You can stop and just breathe in the air and know God is good. Driving here this morning down the graphite road, the trees to the left and right look so beautiful. What's not to enjoy? But if you as a Christian have no joy in your life, how are you going to pass it to the neighbor who has none? And so he said, Lord, by your grace and mercy, here I am. Allow me to speak wisdom and heavenly counsel into a man or woman or child's heart that needs to hear from you right now. You might be the only prophet that person will ever hear. You might be the only pastor, priest, apostle, fivefold ministry. We can operate in all the giftings. The Holy Spirit inside of me this morning is the same Holy Spirit inside of you. Which is greater, my Holy Spirit or your Holy Spirit? No, it's about availability. We're saying this morning, when you come to breaking of bread and money, bring a scripture, bring a song, bring something that's in your heart. Share what God has taught you. And as you share, I promise now, you'll see growth. And you'll be able to share what comes from the throne room of God. Because we worship in spirit and in truth. God is calling you the brave ones. I'm calling you to be brave, not to be shy. God himself will make you brave. He will give you the words to speak. Don't stress about it. You don't have to have a theological doctorate to bring somebody to God. The Holy Spirit does the work. And as we finish, just I know I normally do this at the end of, after we've had this last song, I'm going to invite the team up. I want to, do you want to come up and just do that last song? But as we start off, I want to just read number 6, 24 to 26. And God commands Aaron to bless the congregation with these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance. Pride, he's proud of you. Upon you and give you peace. That is your Father's blessing on you this morning. So, as you have a wonderful week, just be available. Just say, Lord, whatever today's adventure brings, just allow me to be awakened to the moment of just being able to share the gospel, the good news this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you knew each one of us before the foundation of the earth. That, Father God, you created us in your image. So, Father God, this morning we pray for your grace and your mercy to rest upon each one of us. We pray that you, through your Spirit, you'll give us the words to speak into the people that do not know you around us. Help us to be committed to sharing your gospel. Not to be fearful, but just to be kind. Not Bible-bashing, Father, but... but supernaturally wise we pray that we could speak your counsel that your love and your enduring hope
that you have for humanity and not the disaster we read about all around us. Father God, if you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us, a plan to prosper us, your word tells us that. And thank you that you've prospered us in Christ in an amazing way. Thank you that you called us by name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.